Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Today we are reading from Acts 4, verses 23 to 31. Um, there are Bibles on the aisles and so on either side of the aisles, if you wish to follow along. Um, And if you don't have a Bible at home, you can keep that Bible. Um, That's our gift to you. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations reign? Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will, excuse me, they did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke, with the, and spoke the word of God boldly. Thanks, Wilma. Uh, Some of you may not know, Wilma has the privilege of also being a Kiwi. (laughs) I think we're both dual citizens, aren't we? (laughs) Can't run for parliament, but that's okay. (laughs) Hey, well, I've been given a totally impossible task. Half an hour in which to unpack the greatest, deepest, and significant aspect of being a disciple of Christ, prayer half an hour. So I'm guessing over the last 2,000 years that there have been trillions of prayers prayed by believers, millions of prayer meetings that people have attended, hundreds of thousands of sermons preached on prayer, thousands of books written on it, countless conferences, seminars, exploring and equipping, and I have 30 minutes. So I'm going to pray. So I'm going to (laughs) pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray for your words to come through my words. I pray, Lord, that we would be well equipped, that we would know the power and the possibilities of prayer this morning. Amen. Well, I imagine nearly every congregation around the world will have written somewhere something similar to what appears on Follow's website. That prayer is essential for the individual believer, for the work of the church as a whole. And in fact, prayer has the very first place on our list of Follow's values. There it is. We will be a church where prayer is instinctive. Prayer is our default position. Prayer comes naturally. Prayer is powerful. We believe in persistent prayer. 
we will pray and pray and pray again. We believe that God is always speaking and listening to act according to his will, his pleasure and for his glory. We say that prayer is to be evident in every aspect of church, integral foundation within every home represented here, in every closet for every believer. That's you and me. So I wondered if we could turn those statements into questions. Is prayer instinctive for you? For your family? For your Christian friends? For your MCG? Is, your prayer, your def- is prayer your default position? Is it the first reflex and response to what might be happening around you and around the world? And does it come naturally? Is it second nature to you? Is it an ingrained habit in your life? Or is it a duty, a drudgery, or maybe a hope, a delight? And are you experiencing power in prayer? Is it real for you? Are you seeing answers, miracles, breakthroughs? And how constant and persistent are you, we, in our prayers? Is it a quick flick when you're in trouble? Five minutes on the run? Or when someone else suggests it's a good idea? Or is it an established spiritual discipline in your life? So let's turn to the word, starting in the book of Acts. We're told in Acts 1.14 that following the ascension of Christ, that the very first priority of all the disciples, the family of Jesus... And all the other believers was to join together constantly in prayer, persistent in prayer. And after that 10 days of concerted prayer, what the old Pentecostals used to call tarrying in prayer, came the day of Pentecost. And then we know from Acts 2.42, this is a key verse in Scripture. And we know from Acts 2.42 that those early believers established four foundations for church life that have persisted for the last 2,000 years. First, proclaiming and training in the apostles' teaching. Secondly, close and sacrificial fellowship. Thirdly, the breaking of bread in communion. And fourthly, prayer. Prayer was and is fundamental, essential. It is central to Christian life. This is followed by the miracle of healing of the beggar outside the gate, beautiful. Most people know the story. He'd been disabled for over 40 years. And as you recall, Peter and John were on their way to a footy final. Oh, oh no, to attend a conference. 
Nope. To hear the latest motivational speaker? Nope. They were on their way to their usual afternoon prayer time. A prayer meeting in the temple. It was something that was completely ingrained within them. They'd done it dozens of times with Jesus himself. Don't forget that. Jesus had modelled it. For my house shall be called a, a house of prayer. And of course, we know that they were arrested as a result of the miracle and the preaching that followed, and that in Acts 4.13, the religious authorities, it is recorded, were so amazed as they observed the boldness, the confidence of Peter and John. This not only tells us something about their prayer life, but shows us clearly that theirs was a life of prayer that permeated every aspect of their lives, their worship and their witness. And then we come to that text read to us by Wilma. This, why did I choose this? This is the first recorded prayer of the first followers of Jesus. The first recorded prayer. Now, I'm sure there were, there were hundreds and hundreds of prayers, but this is the first recorded. And normally in Scripture, the very first of anything is very significant. Because with it is a key in unlocking why and how prayer works. Let's read it again. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, instinctive, default, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Anointed one is Christ. Same word. Actually, within those first two or three verses, we have the Trinity. You notice that? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, the people of Israel and the city, to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you had anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. I won't get into the theology of that. They did it, but God did it. Interesting. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's obvious. For them, prayer was instinctive. Their default position, it was powerful, it was persistent, it was constant. They had a sureness about them that God would speak that he would act all for his glory. What I want to focus on this morning is how these believers prayed. 
Now, what they prayed is not unimportant, but it was clearly relevant to their time, their day, their particular circumstance. But how they prayed is timeless and universal. How they prayed is how we should pray. They prayed with confidence, assurance, certainty, faith. They prayed with boldness that bred, in turn, boldness. They prayed as they had seen Jesus and heard Jesus praying. They prayed as he taught them and modelled to them. How they prayed is how we should pray, with confidence, assurance, certainty, and boldness. have to check I'm on the right slide. Because we will only value prayer, I put it to you, when we actually believe in prayer. When we believe in the power of prayer, in the possibilities of prayer, and when we are bold in prayer. The early church did not rely on man-made skills, research, wealth, argument, programs, latest technologies. The apostles relied on God's power and God's leading. That's it. That was all. And that was more than enough. By God's power, they were made into what they could never be. They were given what they could never possess. And they were taken where they would never normally go. They came out of that prayer room, that prayer room, 120 people in that prayer room at Pentecost, changed by the power of God. Every one of them infused with God's Holy Spirit, infused with the life of God. And as they continued to meet together around the Word, partaking in communion, loving and serving, and most of all praying, the Scriptures came to life in their hearts. Faith bubbled over like a spring, and they were given the ability to speak and to do that which would never happen naturally just as they've been promised. And it's always been the same. As one of the greatest preachers and writers on prayer, that humble American Methodist, I love Methodists, E.M. Bounds once said, men, he, he didn't really talk about women in those days, men are God's method. The church is looking for methods, better methods, and God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, no new organisations or novel methods, but men who the Holy Spirit can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not come upon machinery. He comes upon men. He doesn't anoint plans he anoints men of prayer. Wow. I love it. The Bible is rich with reference to bold prayer, what I call throne room prayer. Confident, conquering prayer. 
The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, declares in Ephesians 3.12, In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we're to step boldly into the throne room of God, before the throne of grace where we can find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And then, I love this, 1 John 5, 14, 15, this most amazing scripture. This is the confidence that we have in him. Then if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. Here's a little song. I, I'm not too good on songs, but this is a little song from when I was a teenager. You see, scripture and song, it always sticks. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Yes. The greatest preacher and prayer warrior, Samuel Chadwick, got it so right. Satan dreads nothing but prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Trembles when we pray. This is bold prayer. And no wonder he trembles. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. How do you do that? In prayer, through prayer. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. So how do we pray with boldness and confidence? For the few note-tokers amongst you, I'm going to go through a few points here. I want to share a few things that I believe can help us pray with boldness. I'm sure there are so many more, but this is what's helped me in my prayers more and more to become bolder. Knowing God, and especially knowing that he answers prayer, Primarily, we can be bold in prayer because of who God is. Every aspect of him, of his being, shows how awesome, how incomprehensible our God is. God is love. God is light. He is Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. If you don't know your Nicene Creed, you need to learn it. He is eternal and sovereign. He is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. He is the end point of all our desires. 
It is the kingdom of God that we seek. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And just like the disciples in Jerusalem on that day, the first priority, the first foundation for boldness was knowing God. They start with sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You see? It hasn't changed. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. And we come before the throne of grace, recognizing that we are communing with the person in that throne room. Don't come before just an empty throne. We come before our God, enthroned. He's the creator and sustainer of all. He's the great I am. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And our awesome God tells us to pray and that he will answer our prayers. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And again, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So in prayer, we are connecting with God's power, with God's authority, with his purposes, and his resources. When we pray, our prayers are heard by the same God who answered Moses' prayer for water in the desert. Who gave Abraham and Sarah that son that we talked about for weeks on end. Who made the slave Joseph second in charge to the Pharaoh. Who stopped the lions from devouring Daniel. Who sent an angel to rescue Peter from jail. Who raised up Wilberforce and Lincoln to abolish slavery and so on and so on and so on. This is the God to whom we pray. And as Martin Luther said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. I love the lines from one of the old hymns written by John Newton. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions to thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Secondly, knowing Christ, I can be, you can be, we can be bold in prayer because of Jesus. Our best performance can never merit one answer to prayer. On the contrary, our confidence is in the person of Jesus Christ, the performance of Jesus Christ, the payment by Jesus Christ, the presence of our exalted King Jesus. Jesus is our everything, we sing. Our shepherd, the vine, the bread of life, light, the way, the truth, the life, our high priest, whoever makes intercession 
for us. Hebrews 10, I love Hebrews, says, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened to us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, what are we to do? Draw near to God with a sincere heart, full assurance that faith brings. And just like those praying in Acts 4, we can be bold in prayer because of the merits of the finished work of Christ. He is God's holy servant, they prayed. He's our salvation. He's our forgiveness. He's our security. We have an inheritance in the saints. We are chosen. We are called. We are sealed. We're bold because we pray in his name. We appeal to his authority. We are bold in prayer because Jesus said we ought to be bold in prayer. Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours, Mark 11. In John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What authority we have through Christ. Thirdly, it's knowing the Holy Spirit. This is absolute key. And we have the Holy Spirit. And it says in Romans 8, I think, that he helps us in our prayers. Ultimately, he helps us to be bold, to come before the throne of grace. Just like the first believers, you and I can receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. To be baptized in the Spirit is to become a prayer warrior, to know the power in prayer, the possibilities of prayer. The Holy Spirit reminds us of those who we are. Sorry, he reminds whose we are. He reminds us who we are, and he shows us how to pray. Where to pray in the Spirit, it says. Where to seek eagerly the gifts of the Spirit, that are so vitally linked to prayer. Words of wisdom and knowledge. Faith. Healing. Miracles. Prophecy. Distinguishing of spirits. Speaking and interpreting tongues. These are so closely aligned with the power of prayer. It said in that passage, after they prayed... After they prayed, as a result of their prayer, the meeting place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. When we pray in boldness, the Holy Spirit turns up. Next, it's knowing and appropriating to us the promises of God. I remember back at St. Margaret's, I was... I had the privilege just talking about the life of Isaac. And one of the things in his life was 
He knew the promises. He was a son of promise. He knew the promises of God. They were limited for him. We have a huge book full of promises that we can claim. One of the greatest ways in which we become emboldened in prayer is by appropriating the promises of the Word of God. Answers to prayer are primarily rooted and grounded in the promises of God to His children. Not in our performance, not in our performance in His promises. You might have nothing to offer, doesn't matter. God does it, it's His promises. We read in our passage for today that they turned immediately to the word to understand what was happening. And then they claimed the promises. They went, Holy Spirit, you taught through King David. And he said this. He prophesied this about your own anointed son. Now we're going to claim that promise. As the Puritan writer William Gurnall wrote, prayer is nothing but the promise reversed. Think about that for a moment. Prayer is nothing but the promised reversed, or God's word formed into an argument and retorted by faith back to God again. Have you ever thought of arguing with God? It's biblical. Take his promise and say, but God, you said. Moses did it. Abraham did it, Jesus did it, Paul did it. Take the promises of God and claim them before the throne of grace. 120 met in that upper room with nothing but a promise. We come to the throne room with the promises of God. So our challenge is, Ask the Holy Spirit for a promise. Next, knowing who we are. Boldness in prayer comes from knowing who you are in Christ. You are a new creation, a child of God, an heir of his promises, his purposes. You have an inheritance in the saints. You are co-laborers with Christ. You are blood-bought Spirit-filled, redeemed believers. You're justified, sanctified, and one day we're going to be glorified. In particular, for me, it is knowing I am deeply loved. I am a recipient of his grace and of his mercy. I'm accepted in the beloved And I am invited to come into the holy place with confidence. You see, we don't come to God as strangers, kind of pleading special favours. We come as his children. And then we understand that we're called to be co-laborers with Christ. Dallas Willard, I don't know if you read him, you ought to have a whole library like I have, but anyway. Dallas Willard says this, Prayer becomes talking with God about what we are doing together. Prayer becomes talking with God about what we are doing together. Of course, we're completely unequal partners, yet we are called as co-laborers with our Saviour. We're his voice, 
where his hands were his feet. And lastly, we grow in boldness as we pray. The more we pray, the bolder we can become. It was no different for those first believers. They hadn't always been natural prayers, bold prayers. But they became constant in prayer. They were persistent in prayer. They prayed in their closets, as Jesus instructed them to. They prayed together in their homes. They prayed in the temple. They prayed in the street. They prayed wherever they were. They did exactly as Jesus had been observed to do. Along with that, it's great to read and listen to the testimonies of people of prayer. To read and listen stories about great revivals through the church age. Read books about prayer by some of the great masters. I mentioned E.M. Bounds. You cannot go past. It should be number one on your list of prayer books. E.M. Bounds. More modern ones such as C.S. Lewis, Richard Foster, Philip Yancey, Evelyn Underhill. Some of the older ones, Spurgeon, Murray, so on. And then find old hymns that focus on prayer and be encouraged, such as this one by John Wallace. But there's a power which man can wield when mortal aid is vain. That eye, that arm, that love to reach, that listening ear to gain. That power is prayer, which soars on high through Jesus to the throne and moves the hand, which moves the world to bring salvation down. When you set aside time to pray every day, confidently approaching the throne of grace with praise, confession, petition, intercession, when we come together before the service on a Sunday as we did today, we can pray with boldness. We can see lives transformed through the power of the gospel. When we pray in our MCGs, we can pray with boldness for the needs of others. When we pray and meet at our monthly prayer meeting at Tim Donovan's home, we should be praying with boldness for revival, for a Holy Spirit move here in Officer, in our day. Why not? Prayer hasn't changed. The power of prayer hasn't changed. The possibilities of prayer has not changed. So what can you pray boldly for? Well, in today's reading, we hear them praying that they'll be able to speak the word with boldness for the miraculous, for healing, for signs, for wonders. There are many things we can confidently pray for because God asks us to pray for them. And what's more, he promises his faithfulness that he will answer them. Here are some of them. For salvation and forgiveness. For the Holy Spirit and his gifts. For provision of daily needs. For wisdom. For workers and missionaries in God's harvest field. For the persecuted and the imprisoned. For deliverance from temptation. For the proclamation of the gospel. For church unity. For signs and wonders. 
These are but a few of the things that God's word says we can pray boldly about and receive answers. So the challenge is, for me, more than you, (laughs) perhaps let us become bold in prayer. Prayer that moves the hand, that moves the world to bring salvation down. And we're going to have some prayer. We're going to have a bit of music. I'm going to start a prayer, but then after that, we're going to have some people uh, who are going to be able to come up the front. If you're wishing to come up the front for prayer, that's great. But I'm also going to ask you to turn to your neighbours. Some people will come forward, but I also want people just wherever you are to pray for each other. Pray boldly. There, There were some of the things to pray for. Salvation, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, his gifts, our daily needs, wisdom, workers and missionaries, persecuted and imprisoned, deliverance from temptation, the proclamation of the gospel, church unity, signs and wonders. We can pray for those things. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless. God bless.